a little dinner engagement, just one or two, three candlelights, romantic. So, like, in, there's a great master called Ramana Maharshi, and I was, uh, he would talk about the, like, the being state and then the mental state. Yeah, so the being state, sort of what I'm implying with that feeling of being in the zone or intuition or wisdom that doesn't come from any kind of knowledge, it's just wisdom, you just know something yeah, prior to knowing in a sense. And the information isn't preceded by I think, you know, it comes prior to the I think. Yeah? That sense of being is where to rest. You know, if you if your attention and interest can start recognizing that, and it can because it's up, it is from there. The interest and attention isn't from the mental state. It may be directed by the mental state now, yeah, but it's not from the mental state. It's got that quality of awareness of no thing. You you hear thoughts, but you don't hear interest or attention, do you? You don't hear them. You don't see it. You don't feel it. You don't taste it. But you can hear thoughts, and even like see thoughts, but you can hear them especially. So they're, they're not of the mental state. And if your interest and attention can be, let's say, unwedded to the preoccupation of selfing, yeah, then I would, I would guarantee, I, would, I have great faith that the interest and attention would go to that well, that well of being. And when it goes to that well of being, it will bring back what we're so sorely needing here that we can't find here because it's not of here. Yeah? What we're in is not, where, is not what we're of and what we need is from what we're of. Yeah? And that's of being, not mental state or physical state. Yes? We're in seemingly mental states and physical states and circumstantial states and worldly states, but we're not of that. We're of a being. And being isn't in a past or a future aspect. It's just now, the being. And being is not trying to be, it was once being and now it's working hard to get back to being. It's just being. And therefore, it doesn't have some of the qualities that this place has, which is time. Yeah? This place is chock full of time. It's not a place, we're dreaming it. And one of the main parameters of our dreaming this place is time and space. Yeah. Time is essential for you to see something. You wouldn't see something unless you had time to see it yeah. as a thing. You wouldn't. And then t- space is needed for that thing to appear in. If there was no space, when there would be no place for this chair to appear in. Yeah. So this is the space. And the chair, like we've done many times before, the chair doesn't take up any space. It's appearing in space. Yeah? So space and time are the, dy- are the, the dynamics of this dream of separation. Without those two qualities or two dimensions, there wouldn't be this dreaming. It would be another style of dreaming. It wouldn't be this dreaming where we see things and then the, the things that we see get older, and they, let's say they get, like they're, they lose their color after a tree or the leaves or they, the bark gets thicker and mottled and then us, the skin gets, you know, wrinkled and the eyes get a little watery and the hair starts getting sparser and all like that. And, you know, that's time. That's what happens. But in being, 
And I have no, I have never seen a map of being. I'm just intimating what it seems like to me. And what it seems like to me is it has no quality of time in it. And it has no quality of space to appear in it because it is the space that everything appears in. So the being is like more contextual and then the dreaming is about content, yes? So the being doesn't have, and it's just a word, you know, just to produce a certain uh, distinction between mental state or physical state, we're saying being, just to get yourself a flavor as if there's other options, yeah? It's not found in the mental state, for sure. You can't use the mental state to do and have yourself into a state of being. It can only be another mental state you do yourself into. It's impossible, because the being doesn't have any time involved in it, so time processes can't produce being. Yeah? You can't, because it's not produced, it's already so. That's the whole point. That's why we don't see it. It's so completely here, we don't see it, because our perceptions are, are programmed to see things amidst the dream, but not to see, see the context of the dream. Because if we saw the context of the dream, yeah, that would still be part of the dream, because we can't see the context. Yeah. There's no way we can get a view of that, or we pop out of the dream, and first of all, you couldn't see it anyway. It doesn't have any qualities to see, but you know what I mean? So the dream is sort of like having a horse with those blinders on. Time and space, perceptions, the thought system, the body identification, all keeps the dream going. Yeah, these are essential qualities to take this place seriously. Yeah? And the one that we seem to have an option with is the thought system. We may be able to be weaned off of living from thought and maybe get introduced to just living. Yeah? And I believe we've had those samples when we were kids. Yeah? It's not, that, it's not that far removed. It's been imprinted in us, many of us, if you weren't in an abusive situation since the day you were born, which I wasn't. You had, you had many moments that weren't moments, you know, separated and partitioned in time. You were just there. And man, you'd have volatile emotions and then a huge smile a second later. Everything was moving, not getting sort of put into an orbit around you, but coming through, you know. And so there was a lot of a lot of the restraints we've come to take to be so weren't there. They hadn't grown yet. We hadn't put ourselves into that glove, so to speak, yet. Like that little that story of, you know, if you took all the senses away but feeling, and this was the world we're in, the only way we could have an experience or know anything was through feeling. Yeah. And let's say that feeling was 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 put, that ability to feel the hand, suddenly, somehow, a mental glove was slipped over it. And that mental glove is uh, like 80 degree paper, sandpaper, it's very rough. So we still are seemingly living, or being, but now the being is being interpreted through the glove. So it doesn't matter if we touch one thing or 8,000 things, the main message is, is they're rough, yeah, because they're going to be defined by the roughness of the glove. Yeah, yeah. So, 8,000, 20,000 things, rough, 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 and if, if we read beautiful things about, you know, the, the, 
touching the, you know, the skin of a baby or the petal of a rose, all we can do is make up a story about it because we don't have the experience of it. Yeah. Because when we touch the rose, it's rough. Or when we touch the baby's skin, it's rough. Yes? So what happens, this is what happens here. I believe in a lot of spirituality that it turned into religion. They don't have the real, like, condition, so they make a mental one of it, which gets to be fundamental and dogmatic and right. And then to get more right, they have to make others wrong to get more sense of being right. And I think that's, all those shenanigans come from the lack of real, real, uh, I wouldn't say, let's say experience, real experience of it. They, it's left to their mental state to sort of develop the religion in a way. Yeah, and of course it's going to make it in its own liking, yeah, because it's the God that we're, that, that it's playing God, and it's going to throw everything into the image that it has, or the images it has. It's not going to, to kneel down to something else, it's going to take that something else and make it into something that's palatable to it. So like a great, there was a psychiatrist, Wilhelm Wright, that wrote an interesting book called The Murder of Christ. He was, he got put in jail by the government and all his papers and stuff. He was pretty uh, unorthodox in the 50s, scared people, I think 50s and 60s. Well, he wrote a very interesting book and he called this sort of dilemma of being identified with what you're not. As I say, he had it where, he called it an emotional plague people were in. And people knew exactly where the solution was, but they didn't really want to go there. So to live with that, not wanting to go there, they built in this, this dream, in this little state, they, drilled, they built institutions to point out of the dream, but never, not had any intention ever of taking anyone out of the dream. So they could feel better within the dream. Yeah. So this emotional play, to me, I would call it the act of being identified as self in a way. Yes. So the act of being identified as self, in this case we're using it with the glove. So here's this glove over the hand. The hand has all the ability to feel something. It's got all the sensations, all the nerves, but it's everything it meets is met through the middle man or middle woman of the glove. And it doesn't matter how many things it meets, the one thing is going to meet them and interpret them. That's self-centeredness. Self-centeredness is a very small system. If you ever get out of it, you'll see how small it is. It's really like that marathon runner in the closet. It's just going over the same old, same old, hoping for different results, you know. And always, the, the arrival date's always pushed off in time, yeah. Because you feel like you've left something that now maybe you want to arrive at. And the lie is that you ever left it. See, that's why you can't arrive there. Because you'd have to have left it to arrive, and you haven't. It's just a damn story. That's constantly being uh, said over and over and over again. So it's so easy to fall into it. And then all your day is preceded by, I think... I this, I thought this was going to happen, I thought this should have happened, why, I was thinking this was going to go, it's on and on and on and on and on, so we become basically the results of thought, yeah? instead of realizing that we're prior to the mental state, yeah? and that other state, let's say, call it being, is sort of a stateless state, it's not produced, it doesn't have the same restraints as this place does, and it's not centered in self, so the idea of time 
There's no time there. That's why the solution is all, always immediate. Yeah? That's why, in this sense, the freedom is always prior to any bondage, not after the bondage. After the bondage, you're now in time. So that sense of being okay is displaced with a hope that I will be okay. Everything will have the stamp of time. You'll never just be rooted here. You'll be hoping I'll be rooted here tomorrow better, you know, after I do something, go to yoga, this and that. And it's all fine. It will produce senses. But in a way, the production of ease and comfort in a, very, in a much more chronic state of dis-ease can sometimes just be reinforcing the belief in the disease. Yeah. If you could get prior to it, then if you wanted to do something, you would do it. And if you didn't want to do so, or you didn't have that predilection, you wouldn't. And, you know, your okayness would be there either way. Yeah? Because it would be prior to any achieving. It would be prior to any doing and having. And then, sitting in this, having your attention rest there, it may bring a lot of different... Uh, how you see things may change dramatically. You may see that the things you used to do don't make any sense. Yeah? All I was trying to do is get into a bigger, better moment now by withholding myself from this moment. How's, how can that be a fucking sane thing? Or, why is it that we're so displaced? You would think the obviousness of being here would demand a, a, re, a response to here instead of a reaction to there and then. Yeah. It, would just, it would just seem to make sense. Why would I be spending so much time hoping for a better day when I'm in a day already? Maybe I could just sort of get located here and then see how many moves I want to make from here instead of being located in a mental here that says it's going to be thousands of moves to get somewhere or tons of effort and shit to get somewhere. And you know what? It's not even guaranteed you'll get there. And if you do, you've got to be super vigilant and you've got to be on your lookout because you could lose it at any moment. That's not peace. That's not relaxation. That's not contentment. How could something that's so stirred up enjoy peace of mind? How can a mental state that's so jacked up with time and with desires and with drives and with this and with that. How could that, when it, if it ever got to the point of being reintroduced to peace, it would be too agitated to, to, to you know, recognize it. It wouldn't be able to embrace it because it would be so stirred up. Because there's the peace, the head would immediately say, will it be there tomorrow? So even peace scares you into more agitation. You know, awakening can be used to scare you into more agitation. I can't lose the awakening. Yeah. Well, that's all presupposed that you got it. <laughs> and that's not the truth. This is our inherent state. Prior to all the mental shenanigans and all the emotional ups and downs and the physical this or that's and the circumstantials, all of them are do their due in this world. But they're not where we're from. And I'll tell you, in my experience, the thing that finally worked and brought about a contentment that stabilized with no mu not much effort or thought to support it, it supports itself by entertaining it, didn't come from or after thought. It came prior to thought. 
something that just like my sobriety came prior to thought. Something had to pierce my mental state, not get caught up in it and go to the innermost. And then a sober assessment that so many freaking years of this and that couldn't produce was produced in a nanosecond. And it's just been playing out over 27 years. That happened all prior to the thought system. The thought system was Johnny come lately, thank fucking God. Because if it reached the, out, the recovery first, it would have made it into something. I would have probably gone out by 8 o'clock that night. But somehow, it was, it was paused into fucking resignation. And then something got on, got busy, and started expanding a good foundation. So then when it showed up again in all its fury, I had some God rails, G-O-D rails in my life called the principles of AA that kept me on the straight and narrow. And I couldn't fear as much as I used to with that freaking backseat driver. I had it pretty much, it was almost like on cruise control. I just kept doing what I was doing and going where I was going. And it kept it somewhat muted. It wanted to rip me a new one, but didn't have the juice it used to have. Because now my interest and attention wasn't laying there all day, wasn't at its beck and call. It was sitting in something or resting in something much more greater than self. And that's the solution. Yeah. So that's why this guy Ram Mahashi says, I love this statement, he says, to know God is to be God. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Because a lot of people are afraid to say they're, how, who could know God? Well, to know God is to be God. It's not about knowing God as an object or something outside yourself. It's about being God. Yeah? To know God is to be God. So let's say, in this sense, to know who, what's playing God is to be God. Because when you see what's playing God, you'll realize it's not you, and that's being God. And then that Godness or whatever, that juice, that reality won't be lent to its little fantasy machine. You won't be taking false evidence to appear real at the drop of a hat. Yeah, You'll be not as a consequence of some grace. The grace will stabilize and you'll be in a pause. You will be in a pause. And so you'll be able to see thoughts. You'll hear them. And you'll see, and there'll be space between it. Yeah, It's sort of like the difference between hearing and listening. You'll be hearing the thoughts, but the interest that produces listening will not be there anymore. So you'll have an immunity to thoughts, and if you have an immunity to thoughts, you start having an immunity to the belief and the effects of time. Yeah? When you have an immunity to that, you get weaned off of the mental state, because the mental state's all about time. That's the whole thought system is drenched in time. So now where do you fall back into? Being. Yeah? What do you do? What's the appropriate response when you fall back into that? Rest. <laughs> There's no hustle and bustle because it isn't going anywhere. <laughs> it's everywhere. <laughs> it doesn't have any, any direction. It's all direction or no direction. It doesn't have any time to lose or waste or because there's no time in it. Yeah? It has a totally different effect on this, this apparatus, through attention and interest on it, than the mental state does. The mental state just revs up the engine all fucking day. 
many people can't even sleep at night. They need sleeping aids because the engine is so revved up. And it's not like the body where you do something and you do something and then you stop and you've done enough. There's never enough thinking. The thinking just keeps on keeping on. I mean, it's like pulling a fucking dog away from a bone. It just wants to gnaw at it. And if you don't, it's back on there again. You can't believe it. A whole day with tons of kaleidoscopic invitations and you just keep, your attention just keeps going back. What did she mean by saying that to me this morning? (laughs) It's just insanity. Who wouldn't want to fucking get high or something? I actually think the smartest people in the world who are in this world who are drug addicts and alcoholics, they wanted to get out of it. <laughs> I'm amazed people can stay here without intoxicants or something because it's, it's freaking... To have that, 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 that mental wave constantly breaking on your, the shore of your awareness all day, uh, bringing shells and fucking shit and garbage from yesterday and tomorrow is constantly... And then you're on the cleanup crew going tapping, and then the next day it happens again. You can't get the beach clean. And just constantly, what if I should have? What could have been? <laughs> it's all these insane little pursuits, the mental pursuits that just they promise, they promise something, but it's just a convoluted going. It's like. The head of the rat goes up the ass of the rat. The head of the rat goes up the ass of the rat. It just keeps on going like this. Yeah. Or the hamster case. The hamster keeps on going. And you could have a clicker. Oh, you've gone 20 miles, but it's still in the same cage in the same hamster wheel. It's not going anywhere. It's logging a lot of hours. I mean, it's logging a lot of mileage, but really it isn't going anywhere. Yeah. That's a great thing to realize you're not going anywhere. That's everything. When you finally realize you're actually not going anywhere, that's the greatest, that's the greatest arrival of all arrivals. Yeah. You're chilled out now because you're not going anywhere. The pursuit of happiness is like a leisurely stroll. You may even forget to pursue it. Yeah. That's a real gift. You may, you may forget to pursue happiness. You're just like, call the game off. You won't, when you go to Lowe's and they tell you, never stop improving, you're just, thank you, but I'm going to sort of, uh, I'm going to decline that invitation, you know what I mean? I got things better to do than that. <laughs> How about being? Oh! <laughs> and the knowledge that comes through being is incredible. It's not data and numbers and information, but it's knowledge, you know? It's knowledge of how things really are. It's knowledge of how you really are. And it's knowledge about how you are really not. You're not a product of thinking. And you're not the maker of thoughts. You're prior to it all. Yeah. It's like the... It's the... It's the it's the journey that doesn't need one step. See, it's always that trick. They always say it in a cryptic way, like, you know, the open secret, you know, or the gateless gate. They're trying to sort of imply or produce an image in you that there's, there's nowhere to go. There's no need to go a damn, not one step. Yeah? It's, already, it's like right underneath our proverbial nose. And that's the trick. 
and we're not going to arrive there by looking for it. Just, just tell the truth of where you're looking from. And if you're not that, if you're not what the thought system implies all day, you're not an action figure who's did this and should have done that and I hope to do something else. If you're not that, then what happens is the interest and attention that has been wedded to that preoccupation called self-obsession, yes? That's the only way self can seem real is have interest and attention constantly bathed in it. It's like it's it's like a it's like the light and soil a plant needs. Well, what the selfie needs is interest and attention. Your interest and attention, not its, yours. And we do we seem to have given it over to it through being identified as a central idea, which is being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. And the only way we seem to get a know to know about us and others is to think. A lot of freaking thinking, yeah? <clears throat> and the thought is a failed system, like Bill W. says. Why are you in so much fear today? Isn't it because self-reliance has failed us? Most people never get to that point. They think fear is the cause of everything, <clears throat> but they don't see the cause of fear. <clears throat> he helped us. He put it out there for us to take a look. He led us right to the water. First he led us to the oasis, which fear. Why are you in so much fear today? And then everyone would just go off and tell why. He takes you from the oasis and he brings you to the real well. And he says, isn't it because self-reliance failed you? That, that, that water will, will quench you. That water will give you a chance if you see that the reliance on self is the petri dish that all fear and anxiety grows from, then if that could be broken, and it's easily broken because the only way it can seem to be in place is constant maintenance, constant thoughts and interpretations that you're it, yeah? If you, so what happens? If I lose interest in the thought system, I lose interest in self. If I lose interest in calling every feeling my feeling, I lose interest in self. Yeah? What happens when I lose interest in self? They describe it. You'll gain interest in others. You'll do this. You'll do that. It's not. It's insane to try to get to the point of gaining interest in others as long as you're identified as self, because that will just be another strain of selfing. Yes? You have to go the other way. For me to gain interest in others, I have to lose interest in self. Yeah? Self may be very interested in gaining interest in others, but selfing will claim all that interest, and it will still be self-interest. Yeah? Just like knowledge. Knowledge is great, but self-knowledge neuters it. What happens? Any knowledge claimed by self that you're the doer or the haver of the knowledge will neuter the knowledge, especially if it's about what you think you are. So self-knowledge avails us nothing. But knowledge of self avails us quite a lot. If you can have knowledge of self, if you can see that self is not a thing, it's not real, it's not substantial, it's just being inferred that way and assumed and implied by the system we're listening to constantly, which is the thought system. The thought system totally believes you're a body. Totally believes it. Totally believes it. 
It's, it's just this basic stated assumption. It never, never investigates that. It just implies it. It's assured of it. it. It infers it. It points to it all day through the thought system. And if we tend to be avid devotees of the thought system, it's going to be quite easy for us to take that as the starting reference. We will think we're a body, a person, a thing. And then we'll suffer the trouble of a no-thingness seemingly trapped in a thingness. Yeah. So, if, the, if your devotion to a thought system weakens, what will happen? That's what you'll find out. And I bet you will match a lot of descriptions of what happens in a lot of different books, the AA book and other books. You'll see, oh, the way out is not getting away from what you're in, but realizing you were never in it. That's the way out. That's the, that's the fundamental little secret of all quote-unquote spirituality. It's not finding a way to get out of what you're in. It's realizing you are not in it. That's it. So, when you realize you are not in it, yes, the feeling or the experience of being out of it is prior to ever being in it. Yeah? It's produced by the realization you were never in it. That's the experience of being out of it. It's not produced by escaping what you're in because you're not in it. It's produced, that experience is produced by realizing you were never in it. That's how it happens. It doesn't happen the way the mental state believes. The mental state says, all right, this fucking terrible thing is happening, and I'm going to get out of it. Yes? All right? That's my job. I'm the navigator. I re- I'm relied on. Self-reliance is going to see us through in another fucking adventure. We're going to get out of this terrible, perilous situation. We try to get out. That's not how it works. You realize you were never in it. It doesn't say the circumstances isn't happening, but you're not in the circumstances. Just like this man called me from New Jersey who's got a... He met me when I was there last time, a month or two ago. And he's, uh, he's listened to the talks quite a lot. And he has uh, pancreatic cancer, so he's on his way out pretty close. And so he was talking about, he was at some meeting and somebody was saying something about him really bad and he wasn't really picking up on it. Then the guy next to him said, hey, that guy's really bad now than you. And so he felt like saying something. He says, but who's, who wants to say something? And it stopped. The pause came right over the event. He didn't say a damn thing. And a large amount of relief came over him. Not from fucking make, making that guy wrong. That's, not, that's mental relief, only to be produce more anguish and more resentment and shit like that. But it got a relief from the mental state, not through the mental state. Yeah? He didn't say anything. So he used that simple self-inquiry to stop that train, that mental train that wanted it to start going. Yeah? And he had a big impact on him. So he had these other guys there and he wanted to call me so, you know, whatever. I could share because they're, they've been int- introduced to this idea and it's, it's novel and it's, it's like, it's uh, inspiring. It's, it's got a lot to it. Yeah, but in a way they can seem to be overmatched. You know, they've been programmed for quite a while all those stories. So they need reminders, you know, just like we're doing here. A reminder, a, a repetition of the possibility, because if we're just taking out perceptions to be God's honest truth, taking out thoughts to be somewhat on the 
right page, taking out feelings to be so authentic and mine, and I'm describing them perfectly. I may not be, I'm not mixing up excitement with nervousness. I know it's, I'm positive this is depression or whatever it may be. If we're not, you know, if that's not, if we've moved out of that, yeah, and we're out relying on, let's say in Zen they call it the I don't know mind, we're relying on what here would seem to be very uncertain, but when we rely on it, the certainty comes in. And then we start having faith, like Jesus said, what? Faith, uh, there's the people who have faith because they've seen something, but the greater faith is the people that haven't seen anything and have faith. So you now have a faith, not produced by, but you will, if the demonstration will validate it. But you have a strength that's forged, not here by things going your way, or this and that, but it's forged in being, yeah? Meaning it's always available at all times, right where you are. That's the faith you live in. And it's, its sense of security is based on insecurity. Its sense of knowledge is, I don't know. It doesn't make sense out here, but that's how it stabilizes. Because it's a totally different modality. We, you know, if you've been under this yoke for 40 years or something like that, the thought system, you've been over every inch of it. It's, you've gone over probably a lot of its promises and potential and its formulas to become happy. And a lot of them have left you more empty than before. Yeah? It's a failed system. So in that, if when we recognize it, its failure, it's, oh, it's, it may trigger a possibility that our antenna we may move a little bit and maybe we'll pick up a different frequency that works better for us, that actually communicates something that we can feel, like a sense of presence and a sense of onness and a sense of, yeah, there's inherent value just because I'm seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. Yes? I'm inherently, I am not Paul, but this is inherently valuable. In other words, actually, this is all the value there is. This value is bringing itself to everything else. Yeah. Not getting itself from everything else, but bringing itself to everything else. So, it's a whole different movement. The speed of it is different. It's not rotating like that, like spinning like a, a record. It's, it's, it's totally, it's a whole different flavor. And you may just like sitting in that little cockpit better than, you know, being Captain Paul navigating your already predestined boat in like Disney World, you know, where you think you're the one that moved away from the hippo, but there's a giant rod that's running the whole boat because you should have picked it up because there's ten steering wheels in the boat. So everyone in there thinks they're the one that's driving. It's freaking insane how we can keep it going even when it's absurd. Because one point, one point where you saw that you had nothing to do with something should expand. And then you realize you don't have much to do with almost anything, maybe. <laughs> so, yeah. It's just a simple, simple suggestion. It's not like, let's not add it to the mental state. Let's try to keep it sort of apart from the mental state. You know, I don't want to look like I'm being... That's not, that's not going to do it. I don't want to have, I don't want to convince other people that I'm being, that's still going to be empty. What I'd like to do is just rest there. So when, if I get a pause through the auspices of the grace of AA, 
recognize that as what I am. Instead of thinking what I'm not has an experience of that pause, I am that having an experience of what I'm not. Yeah? What I'm not is not having an experience of the pause, but the pause is what I am having an experience of what it's not most of the time. Yeah? That's, that's, that's our original face. It's not a face at all, like they say in Zen. You'll see your original face. Well, you're seeing it right now. It's nothing. <laughs> There's no thingness. So, yeah. How long have we talked today? That's not bad. You got 38 minutes for me. I didn't think I had that in me. Any questions? There's so many people I can't make eye contact with them all. It would be it hurt my eyes to look that far. Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me, Diane? Yeah. It's just this. What we'd like to do. It's a nail, and I just keep hitting it because. I totally am convinced, maybe I'd be, I'll be seen to, that was a mistake, but I am convinced that the right view is essential. Yeah. And I don't believe the right view can be produced by things or doing. I don't. So, I don't believe an activity can produce the view. I believe the view can infuse that activity with something that it can never produce. I do believe that. I believe that whatever path we're on, what this allows, it's, it will allow an illumination of that path. In other words, you'll understand it in a new light. Yeah? It's not a path to illumination because that would mean that you are unilluminated, which is not true. So it's an it will illuminate whatever you're up to because you'll be there, up to, yeah? And you're the, you're the forever light, so to speak. You're not something that needs a match to start it. You are that forever burning light. And uh, you don't, you can't know it, but you can intimate it by knowing what you're not. So if you can see the mental state and what it's feverishly trying to produce and not by the product it will weaken, weaken your, your devotion to the mental state. The interest of attention will be released from that gravitational field of you, being obsessed with you, and it will move out into the space of what we are. So you'll feel that new power flowing, like it says on page 63 in the book. It's an incredible book, you know. You know, you, if you sincerely take this position of reliance on something greater than self, all these remarkable things will happen. And then it names a couple of them. You'll have a new employer being all-powerful. They'll take care of you. And he says there's two requirements, but one of them you already, you can't, you're already completed. You have to stay close to it. You can't be far from everywhere. <laughs> it's impossible. And performance works well, like do some service yeah, or something. That will keep the, the juice going. So now you'll, you'll have a faith that you didn't have before because you'll feel like you're under a new ownership. Because while you're thinking you're running the show, you're afraid of how the show is going to go because the sense of you as a captain has been riddled with, with uh, 
bad evidence, you know, you haven't really done a good job. I mean, I, it was so obvious to me when I left Delancey Street that uh, after two years of being in there that I didn't like them and I didn't agree with them, but my life looked better with them running it than it ever did with me running it. So I was very clear I wasn't managerial quality. Yes, it was just very, very obvious. I had a large, like, uh, bit of evidence. It wasn't like one month, two years, I was under their tutelage. And I have to admit, my life looked a whole lot better when they were guiding it than any time this was guiding it. Yeah. So, it was obvious. All I needed is to find the right methodology, and it found me, AA. And AA was like the bonfire was all the information was there to produce a, a knowledge of what I wasn't, but I didn't have the right match, and AA was the match, put it on. And then I saw, after a period of time in AA, that the self is a foreign installment, let's say, or a parasitical movement. It has nothing to do with what I am. So my, my beholden to it, my devotion to it, cracked. Yeah. My attention and interest was released, and it could go other places, and then it would bring back messages from where it went. And those messages weren't divisive and agitating, pro agitating, producing of that. It was contentment and a peace, yeah, that passive understanding. And a, I started to comprehend the word serenity and no peace and all like that started to happen. Because the failed system, my interest and attention, what comprises me, left the failed system. And while I was moving towards the, the, what, the system that works, when the system that works demonstrated itself in my life, I honored it. I built like a temporary temple there, and I remembered, Jesus, I was so flipped out about this, and it worked out. You know? Or, I was so flipped about, about this, but I didn't get into any anxiety until it worked out. That was even better. Because that's what first happened... The first few years, you know, I'd be running around, and then suddenly I realized I have no money. And, I, you know, how am I going to pay the rent and this and that? And that fear would come over me, yeah? And then it always worked out. So then after about three or four of the first few years, I said, you know, the progress or the demonstration isn't that it always works out. It's that while I was waiting for it to work out, I was chilled out. You know what I mean? I wasn't planning and man, trying to manipulate and, and self-willing. Self I was chilled out knowing I was taken care of. Yeah, that was the progress. Not that it all worked out, but that was the progress. While I was in the process of finding out how it was going to go, I was chilled out. Now, that's delivering the goods yeah, to me. So all this stuff was showing me perhaps there's a better way, like it says. Trusting something infinite I would say that sense of being rather than finite self, which is a mental product. Yeah? So the mental product is, the, is like the flagship or the emblem or the masthead of the whole system, which is selfing, I call it. Yeah? That's it, because there is no self. There's just the act, there's just the act of being identified as one. Yeah? That's put on the body. The body gets crowned as us, and then you have a very uncomfortable relationship with the body because the mental state pretty much hates the body because it's so limiting to it. Yeah, it fucking hates it, really. But it's in an unholy alliance with it because it has to prove this very delicate, totally insane idea 
that what you are is a body. <laughs> so if the body is its freaking, it's its greatest ally. It has to have the body to keep the story going. Yes? If it didn't have the body, there would be no story. Selfing would never even have a chance to appear to seem to be real. Yeah? It wouldn't. It would be like, it would like nothing ever happened. There was no selfing, never was a selfing, and this and that. But the body gives it a damn good uh, cause, a cause they celebrate, whatever, you know? Well, look at separation. I don't look like you, and you're there and here, and therefore these thoughts are probably private. I mean, no one has them except me. You know, meaning me, the body. <laughs> and so on and so forth. And then the perceptions of the body point out that, oh, there are bodies and things. So, okay, I rely on my perceptions. Hey, this is the God on his truth, even though I could just take a pair of sunglasses with yellow tinted glasses and I'd see totally differently. If some five-cent sunglasses would change my view of this world, we, know we, t- we believe the perceptions are true. And so on and so forth. The whole argument, which has nothing to stand on, yeah, but except for insane repetition, constantly, constantly inferring and assuming and implying that there's a someone there, yeah, and then the mind makes the leap into being that someone there, and it pictures us as a body, you know. It says, all right, I'm in a certain location at a certain time, and I've got certain things I need to get, yeah sucked in and now you're looking from a very small point of view called self-centeredness and all you can see is a very through a very small aperture of how everything pertains to you that's insane when there's this kaleidoscopic event going on to have it all get to be about you is insanity it's totally insane yeah and of course suffering from it what do some of us do we drink and use against all fucking wisdom, and we just drink and use. I mean, I one time, no matter how cool I thought I was, that that that, that drive of seeking is so insane that one time we cop, we thought we copped opium. Yeah, we went to it was like a heavy metal three day thing at the Oakland. This is how bad it was. We made we had to go to the Oakland Coliseum outside to meet some guy in one of the walk bridges, and he was supposed to sell us opium. So we got the opium, we drove back to our place, shot it up, you know, shot up some opium, and I'm not feeling the damn thing. And so my, I'm looking at my friend, we're trying to talk ourselves into anything, anything but being present. You know, I must be feeling something. And then my girlfriend came in and says, man, it smells like incense in here. So then we go, Jesus, it's incense. The guy sold us incense. So my friend, I wouldn't have bought it for sure. I'm too fucking... <laughs> cool on that. So what do we do? We shoot it again to make sure. Shoot up incense. <laughs> Tell them that's not a fucking insane drive. I mean, I would do anything not to be here. That's fucking insane. Yeah. Especially when you can't transcend these parameters. I would do anything not to be here. But the here I didn't want to be in was purely a mental production. The here that I am in was the solution all the while, but I couldn't get it get here through the mental here. Because the mental here is chock full of yesterday and tomorrow, and I don't want yesterday and tomorrow. I have a, you know, a lot of shit, and I'm afraid what's going to happen to me. I don't want any of that, so I'm going to get out of here. I just mistook what the here was. 
One was a mental here, an interpretation, and then the here here was my salvation. All those years I was crying out for relief, it was right where I was. I just didn't believe where I was. I thought I was somewhere else that I had to get out of. <laughs> That's called addiction. Called constantly going to the well, not bringing up water, and then still the next day going back to that same well and dropping the pail there, hoping for different results. That's insanity. And only that addiction to selfing could even produce that. Being no fucking way. Selfing can take us so fucking to extremes of mental hell where we know that statement so beautifully, that pitiful, incomprehensible demoralization that we can really put flesh and blood on. I know what that's like. So yeah, that's it for this lovely night. Lovely.